listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Yes, it is indeed uh, time for uh, Movies and Booze. We are joined by Mick O'Connell and Fanula Jones and uh, uh, hopefully shortly we'll be joined uh, by Esther McCarthy. And just to remind you, uh, this day week we'll be doing a live show uh, from the Strand Hotel uh, in Limerick City. And if you'd like to come along uh, and be in the audience for that, uh, you can uh, go on to newstalk.com forward slash events if there are any places there left. Uh, Esther now uh, joins us, I'm delighted to say. Afternoon, Esther. Oh, no, she doesn't. She hasn't joined us now. Never mind. OK. Uh, um, Salar then. All right. So, so Mick, how are you? What are we talking about today? One of which is a wine that's close to your heart, I believe. Yeah, very close to my heart, as in literally had my feet in it. Um, so one of them is... Whoa, hang on now. And you expect us to drink this now? <laughs> I, I thought I should warn you before making you, forcing you, subjecting you to this uh, Vermentino, skin contact Vermentino from Sardinia that I had a part in making back in 2019. Right, okay. And skin t- contact means what they leave the skin in and that's why it makes it look, look a bit orangey. So usually with white wine, you squish the grapes and the juice gets taken off to one side and the juice is fermented totally separate to the grapes. The grapes mm. go off to make grappa. Usually red wine production, <clears throat> the grapes are squished and the skins are left in contact with the juice. So that's what gives the colour, that's what gives the tannin, that's what gives the kind of texture and bite to the wine. So doing that with a white wine gives you a little bit deeper colour because it picks up some of the pigment from the skin, but it also gives you texture and bite and that grainy sensation in the mouth called tannin. Right, okay. And the other, uh, have you made the other wine too? Or are you giving other people a shot here? I've only had this one in my mouth. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Didn't have any body part in this up to now. (laughs) I'm still uncomfortable. I just have this vision now. He's spat it back into the bottle. We have to drink it. Okay. Well, we'll risk all that uh, 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 later on. So, Esther, there's only one real question this week. Is is cocaine bear better than Sharknado? (laughs) I actually did ponder on this last uh, evening, actually. <laughs> it's, you know what, it's wild. It's maybe not wild enough, Sean. I think, um, you know, if you're going to make a, a movie based on the true story of a drug adult bear, then you should go full B-movie with it, I think. And it does go there eventually in really funny ways, but it just takes a little bit too long to get going. It got up my nose a bit at the start, I suppose, is what oh, I would say about oh, it. Oh, all right. <laughs> You couldn't resist that. You really couldn't resist that. It's unbearable. Uh, uh, but it is, but it, but it is kind of schlocky B movie. But maybe not embracing that enough is what you're saying. It's yeah, not. I think it's kind of we're in kind of in snakes on a plane territory here, where okay. you hear hear the title and you look at the trailer and go, "That is amazing," and then you kind of start to think maybe everything that's amazing about it is actually on the trailer. Um, and I think why that made such an impact is like. The maddest thing about it, of course, it was shot in County Wicklow, you know, yeah. if it wasn't mad enough to have a movie about a co- uh, drug adult bear. And I think it stayed under the radar while it was filming here. I'd heard about it at the time, but like I didn't, I don't think other, you know, I don't think people were going up. Everyone was going up looking at McDreamy in another part of Wicklow. Yeah. Where, you know, where, um, that movie was shooting at the same time. And I think that this one stayed under the radar. So I think when the trailer came out, people thought first that was absolutely mad and then they heard it was shot in Wicklow and they were going you know could this get any crazier now and I think it is it's a one idea movie Um, I think Elizabeth Banks is of course everyone knows her as an actress but she's also an experienced enough director I think to milk the 
gags and it's super violent and there's cocaine in it and there's terrible language. Yeah. So this is very much an 18 search, which is actually quite rare these days in Ireland. Uh, and so, yeah, if your kids see a cuddly bear on a movie poster and want to go and see it, uh, no. no. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, the, um, I suppose we can talk about who's in it later on, but uh, um, I'm just wondering, the bear? Is the bear Irish? I mean, are we, you know, is uh, I, I have Domain and Colleen Kewen, have we overlooked uh, a, a stellar performance of the year? <laughs> Best supporting druggy bear. Yeah. I think we should. We yeah. should be in that category. It is actually, there's a great feature. I might share it on Twitter if I can find it. Um, an interview with an Irish guy who basically performed the bear up in ah, um, Right. So there's a lot of CGI work, but they actually kind of did a bear mask, a uh, huge bear head mask kind of thing. And there's great photos of him with a stick and putting the mask over his head. So I'm going to try and find that for you, actually, because I'm sure it's um, a really interesting story about how he did that. So they're, what they're doing then is getting him to perform and then using CGI magic to mimic that kind of movement, you know, just... And it works quite well, actually. It's, you really do think you're watching a bear snort cocaine on screen, but I guess you've got nothing to compare that to either. And, so and there it, is like, that. has the bear got, happened to have a, a rolled up five euro note with him? How, how does that work exactly? Um, he snorts it off um, the dismembered leg of a dead man at one of stage. Course, so yeah. <laughs> if you've no, if you've no cash on you, that's what you should carry with you at all times. Uh, Absolutely. Of yeah. So there's all sorts of inventive stuff going on here visually, you know, um, and it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's a heap of fun, but maybe just given that it's 90 minutes and, you know, it knew it knew what it was. It knew that this is ha- totally a one and a half hour movie. Um, I just think it was a little slow to get started, but we'll yeah. talk more about that later. And, and Luther, people will know Luther from the you know the TV series, and and now he's got a, a movie out. Is this kind of in between? Anybody offers him jobs, he just like makes his own things. I think this is you know. For the, I think Idris Elba is not. He's not going to be on the dole queues anytime soon. Not no. to be fair. But like, yeah, his choices can be a bit strange sometimes, I would agree. Uh, this one, the ultimate question Luther fans want to know is, does this sustain itself? Does it work as a one-off? And I can absolutely say yes to that for the only reason being, I've never seen an episode of Luther. I came to this completely <laughs> clean. Ironically, yeah. I know, I know. But, you know, I came with no baggage. I fell in with the story. It definitely works as a one-off feature. Um and it's quite dark, actually. Yeah, I think, the, I think the series is quite dark as well, though. I, mm. I like you. I think I maybe watched half an episode uh, mm. or something. Uh, right, I okay. It has a dedicated fan base, though. This oh, is a big yeah. one. It's on Netflix, actually. It's a Netflix production, this one. It's in cinemas from today. Um, oh. And they're doing that kind of three-week running thing that Netflix mm. seems... And, and other streamers as well, Prime, have been doing it. Um, so if you want to see this on the big screen or you're not a Netflix subscriber, you can see it from today, but it'll be on Netflix from March 10th. As well. OK, good stuff. We'll talk about all that uh, later on in the hour. Uh, in, in the meantime, Fanula Jones is here wearing her repeal T-shirt. Uh, I have some news for you, Fanula. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> what? It's like I stepped out of a time machine. Right, OK. Uh, and uh, uh, Succession is, uh, this will be the, actually I think this is good news rather than flogging it to death. I I do think it's good news, but I kind of, I kind of wish I knew sooner because it's the season is coming up so soon. So it returns on March 26th for the fourth and final season. And I just, I... I was hoping they would end it with this one, but I thought they might go for like one more and then mm. be done. I'm glad they're not flogging it to death. But at the same time, it just all feels like it's been a bit robbed for me that I won't have more time with 
Roman and the gang and stuff. But yeah, uh, Jesse Armstrong is obviously doing loads of interviews to promote the series. He's the creator and showrunner. And he said that basically, like, he never thought it could go on forever. And I think he said this in past interviews before. And he yeah. said he sat down with the writing team for this season in 2021 and was like, look, I think it should end now. What do you think? Do you have any other scenarios? And I think they came to the conclusion that now is the right time to end the story of the Roy's I am devastated. I'm so sad. But what's the right thing? There's no hints what's going to happen. Uh, I've seen, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I've seen footage or like clips from people uh, who are in, based in New York and they saw them filming like funeral scenes Ooh, so well, some, somebody dies yeah. but I don't know who and we're obviously going to see the, the wedding and stuff like that but yeah no hints as to where it's actually they've been very tight lipped as to where it's where it's going to go so yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is heartening to see that uh, that finally Hollywood has uh, responded to the enormous clamour for yet another Lord of the Rings movie yes yes because really we've so been excited. starved for them we're going we're going <laughs> back to Middle Earth uh, we're getting not one but potentially several adaptions of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. This is a new deal uh, with the Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, this like multiple film deal based on J.R. Tolkien's books. Um, it's kind of, I when I was looking at this, it's kind of, you'd forget the actual impact that it had in terms of like money and awards because obviously mm. like Lord of the Rings is embedded in culture. But like The Return of the King won 11 Oscars, including Best Picture. Like when would you ever hear of a a third movie in a franchise winning that award. Do you know what I mean? Like the three films grossed over $3 billion around the world. Like nuts. Apparently they're working closely with Peter Jackson. Like he kind of knows the crack as to what's going on. We don't know whether it's going to be adaptions of the original three or like new ones. I'm hoping it's not adaptions in some way because it's just, again, it feels like we haven't let enough time Pass before you do them. the whole thing again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in the meantime, we have New Line and Warner Brothers anima- uh, Animation are working on The Lord of the Rings, The War of Rohirrim. I'm sure someone will correct me on that. An animated film set 183 years before the events uh, in Lord of the Rings. And then Amazon still has the TV rights to the Rings of Power series. Right, but not the... Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, it's so they don't a bit have confusing. The, yeah, they, have, yeah, like, they don't have the movie rights. Yeah, yeah. they don't have the movie rights, yeah. Right, okay, oh God, you'd hope it's not just Lord of the Rings again. But I'm like, what else are they going to send them to space? You know what I mean? Like, they're okay. kind of... Why not? It's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. Right. Hire me, yeah. I'm free. Uh, why have people no original ideas, since, says the texter. Thank God for the likes of Cocaine Bear, indeed. Though that actually is based <laughs> very loosely on a true story, but I say very loosely. Uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. And now, listeners, I want you to imagine... Uh, um, I want you to imagine Mick O'Connell slipping his big toe in and out of your mouth... <laughs> Because this is essentially what we're going to do now for our first wine. Uh, tell us about it, Mick. <laughs> so this is a wine called Butcher Not Battles, um, and it is made by a wine producer called Canchetta O'Connell. And I happen to be the O'Connell part of the producer. Um, so this is a wine that I had a part in making in Sardinia back in 2019. And I should say... Just to clarify something, I haven't dipped my toe into all of the finished product before bottling. It okay. was definitely right at the beginning. The squishing that of the grapes. That would be the reserva. Which I've had little, exactly. you know. <laughs> the, the grand reserva gets me Mate's personally. toe print on it. <laughs> it gets me personally to come around to your house, <laughs> open the bottle and stick my toe in it before consumption. Um, you'll be very happy to know that all of those footy style aromas tend to come out during the fermentation process. Okay. Fermentation but actually, is a wonderful but, but, thing. But people still do the foot thing, though. I, 
I kind of thought that was a thing of the past, really. All, all, all really down to how much you produce. Right. So if you're making a very, very small amount, it makes sense to do your crushing of grapes, etc. by foot, or a lot of people do it by hand. And I mean, I'm sure most people's feet are actually cleaner than their hands. Yeah, probably. Pro- probably know. better Depends off with the feet. Yeah. And, uh. and you, you'll see in regions like uh, Porto, so um, in the Douro Valley in Portugal, it, it's still a major, major tradition to crush the grapes by feet. So they have these stone lagars, they're called, and, and you get lines of people getting absolutely smashed off the alcohol fumes, walking oh. up and down in, in a line, kind of dancing their way along the grapes. Quite a good thing to go and do if you ever find yourself in the Douro Valley around October time. Okay. Um, and how do, they, how do they know when the squishing is over? Is the, it when the liquid's all gone? It, 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 you, in in the Douro, it's because the colour comes over onto the onto the the juice. So mm. effectively, the juice initially, when it's crushed, of a red grape is white juice. So you have to do the squishing of the grape to try and extract as much colour from the skins of the grapes as you can to get it into the wine. And the wines, port wines, the ruby style port wines from the Dura Valley, they want this really deep purple colour. So this is why they have this constant extraction. They're trying to get as much colour, as much flavour into the wine before they add the spirit to it. Okay, making it a fortified wine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, and, and so, does this wine? This this wine dates from twenty nineteen. This is twenty nineteen, and this is not a big old stone lagar like in Portugal. It's only a thousand bottles of this made, and this is basically like taking a a big plastic bin, chucking all the grapes in, and me and John Luca jumping in on top and squashing the grapes. Okay. And then we leave the grapes in contact with the with the juice at the time until it becomes a wine and then you keep doing a little bit of extra extraction by squeezing it down and that's where you get a kind of orange colour. The grape variety here is Vermentino and Vermentino can lose its acidity quite early. Um, acid is never really a very sexy word when it comes to food or wine, but it is the refreshing thing on the palate um, when you're drinking anything mm. or eating anything. And you want that refreshing nature in, in a wine, so you want to maintain acid in a wine. But Vermentino loses it quite early um, during the production. So you do the little bit of skin contact here to add a little bit of bite. So it's still got a bit of texture and a little bit of refreshment. And this style of wine tends to go very, very well with food. So like if you're into kind of oily fish, mackerel, anything like that, or creamy chicken, you get the vibrancy of a white wine, but you get the texture of a red. Yeah. yeah. You do. And, and and the fact that it's it's a few years old now, this wine, does it, does that edit, add anything to it? Or? Uh, this is my first time tasting it in ages. So literally, yeah. I've, I've been off work for a few weeks and uh, kind of yesterday, Ashing said, come on, you're coming into the studio. I'm like, great. I've no idea what wine we have in the <laughs> shops. So ran in. We had a stock of this. I didn't realise that we had a stock. I thought it was all sold out. So I haven't tasted it in probably a year. And I'm impressed. Okay, but, but I'm clearly biased. Yeah, but I, I, but would it change over the years? Given that it's you know based on a on a white grape, def- definitely yeah. changes and has changed quite a bit. Now to me, it's all kind of um, like grapefruit pith and mm. um, nectarine, and very much it's always had this kind of floral tea thing to it, like a jasmine tea or something like that. And I think it's it's come out even more. But but absolutely, it it. it all wines change with time, particularly if you um, bottle them under cork. Yeah. So you, the cork allows a little bit of air to come through the cork over time. And some wines improve with time. A lot of wines get worse with time. 
Mm. Um, I, I'm content. Yeah, with, with that. Thing. Okay, that's good to know. Now, have, have you many boxes We, we have, left, to, we have this... to ask, just for the listeners, whether you have actually undergone the treatment, the torture of actually tasting that wine or whether you like it. I know, I do like it. I, I, I like it a great deal. Really nice, it's yeah. really nice. And we're not just Brilliant. saying that. Brilliant. Uh, though the listeners are concerned. Uh, <laughs> can we confirm Mick didn't have any fungal infections or verrucas? Uh, Ken says, I know what he's describing with the, gra- the grape squishing is all normal and whatnot, but my God, it sounds disgusting. And John in Limerick says, uh, we've had the wine man involve his mouth, hands and feet so far. Only one body part to go, so... <laughs> I <laughs> think it might be time for a commercial break. Uh, Esther, uh, what film do you want to do first? I mean, I, 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 you'll be in tears if I, if I don't say Cocaine Bear, won't Absolutely, you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Hey! <laughs> what should I do? There's something wrong with it. Yeah, I told you there was. Why is it acting like this? Did you feed it cocaine? No, but you're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course they can. Then why are you up here? <sighs> okay, great uh, sound effects from that man there. Uh, I wasn't too sure what, what kind of a scene that was at the start. So that's uh, Cocaine Bear. Uh, so Esther... Yeah, might as well uh, fill us in on, on the, the real-life basis of this story. Yeah, it's gas. It's um, it's based on a, like a tiny, what we used to call nibs in print journalism, Sean. I know you're old <laughs> enough to remember. A losing brief um, item that was in a US paper about a, a former narcotics, narcotics officer in, back in 1985 um, came up with a scam of smuggling drugs from Colombia into the US you drop the packages out of a plane in um, in Georgia, in this um, valley, and to be collected there. But one day, they the plane got into trouble. They had too much coke on board. Uh, so they had to drop it, ditch it, basically. And uh, all they know was that a dead bear was found surrounded by all of this cocaine. Mm. And the case became known, I wish this was my idea, but the case became known in the US as Pablo Escobar. And uh, so that kind of generated notoriety then. I think Elizabeth Banks came across this story, um, small as it was, and thought, we can go the whole nine yards of this and flesh it out into a kind of a B-movie horror slash outrageous comedy. Um, In the vein of, as you said, Sharknado or maybe Snakes on the Plane. Uh, And that's what they've done here. And they went off to Wakeland and filmed it. Um, I have no idea why, other than Ireland seems to be... I'd say tax grants for sure, um, mm. all of which goes back into sp- spending locally. So it's kind of a no brainer. Um, but also, I think Ireland has become very popular as a locations double uh, because it's a small country. You can be out at Dublin airport in two hours and down in the heart of Wicklow. Um, it's easy to get around. It's you know easy to move from location to location. And also we've got really good crew. I think that's mm. kind of very well established globally now. So it would be, I would imagine those three things, tax breaks, crew and locations. Um, we've also become like really popular for British period dramas and films and stuff like that because of our big country houses. I think people outside London have started overpricing themselves in the big country house front when it comes to crews and they've realised they can come over here and do that cheaper as well. But anyway, so here we have... Um, 
a coke-addled bear rampaging through the heart of Wicklow. Okay. In, uh, Can you tell us how the bear got his hands or, or her hands on the coke in the first place? Yeah. Uh, pretty close to the true story okay. um, of Pablo Escobar. I have to say it again, sorry. Uh, yeah, the bear. So you're seeing this guy throwing coke out of the plane at the start. He's obviously coked off his head himself because he's been shrieking and being very lively. He tries to parachute out then um, because the, plane, the flight's in trouble and ends up kind of tripping over himself and killing himself. So there's a dead body and a load of cocaine following the first scene. Um then we get to meet all these characters. And I think this where kind of the pace gets taken out of the film a little in not a good way. Um, and that is, you know, we're, we're meeting these various characters like Kerry Russell, who's kind of this prim mother who's kind of trying to, you know, put manners on her daughter who's being a bit wayward. And then we have O'Shea Jackson Jr. who's playing this real tough dude uh, who we see getting mugged very early in the film and single-handedly baiting off the three guys. Uh, so he, you're, you're, it's established early on. And I just didn't really need to know all of that much about them, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you. I just thought, I'm here for 90 minutes. I want bare action. I want, you know, loads of stunt work. I want mad scenarios. And actually, there's only about, in the first, I'd say, half an hour, there's only about two bare scenes. And <sighs> I was going... No, you're sucking the air out of this a bit now. But then once it gets going, once the movie knows what it is and goes on a killing spree and people's heads start getting properly lamped. And as I say, a bear snorting cocaine from a dismembered limb of a dead man is what you're paying your ticket for, I'm sure. Yeah, and, uh, and so are these three people out camping in the woods kind of thing for some they're reason? They're there for or? various reasons, yeah. Okay. And we get, yeah, and uh, I mean, there's not much backstory now. You're yeah. just kind of being introduced to them as various characters. And they're, they're kind of thinly drawn characters. It's not the kind of movie where you need to care about the characters. No. That's for sure. No. But neither did I, I suppose. Um, they just felt like types, you know, except for the part Granger, who's really, really funny in this. Uh, she's kind of middle aged, um, badass woman who, yeah, is not shy with a gun and makes catching this bear her life mission. Yeah. So it's based on the whole premise that um, it's, it's if you see a black bear, you fight it. We we're, we fortunately don't know these things in no. Ireland, but in the US it would be commonly known. If you see a black bear, you fight it, and if you see a brown bear, you just cower and hide. And you know they're having fun with the concept of that, um, because how do you fight off a bear who's high on cocaine, Sean? Is this a black bear the then, or, or or a brown bear? He's a black bear, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. So he's coming for you. You know yeah, what I mean? Okay. Um, and I think then once it goes proper B movie horror, there's some lovely setups. There's you know. Stuff we needed to see more of earlier, I think. You know, a nice scene of, of Kerry Russell hiding behind a tree and the big sound boom as a giant paw comes at her. Um, the scene you heard there is two people up a tree um, deciding that bears can't climb trees, so they'd be very safe up there. Wrong. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Are these so, people a bit on the, on the dense side? Well, the fun of it is they accidentally and through various means... Uh, ingest cocaine themselves. Ah. So by the time, and, and that includes two kids actually, which is quite problematic funny and crazy. Yeah. And uh, but like, so they are all kind of off their heads as well, shall we say, as as they're trying to chase away, run away from this bear and or, or see him off. But it's very like. As I think what I'm saying suggests, it's quite one note, you know, and I don't think they were imaginative enough in the kind of scenarios that play out. Um, I think 
for a movie about a bear on cocaine, it's a little bit tame, actually. Mm. I think if they had gone full crazy, um, and I know they need to establish story. I know you need to, you know, no, no matter how crazy your sweater is, you do have to knit it and put the stitches in and all that. I get that. Um, and you need to storyboard it all. But I just thought, I'm actually just here for kind of crazy slasher based on a mad concept. I'm yeah. not really here to get to know people. Um, so that was a bit... Uh, a little bit strange and just slow, slowed it all down a bit, I think. Otherwise, Elizabeth, ba- Elizabeth Banks knows what she's up to here. It's 90 minutes long. It's it's trim when it gets going. It's a lot of fun when it gets going. Um, it's properly bloody and gory. So I think a Friday night audience is going to have a great time with this, you know. Okay. But I just needed a bit more, a bit, bit more trimming in the early scenes, I think. Uh, Gavin says, I've never seen a bear with a huge amount of cocaine before, but one time in a zoo, I saw one next to a few lions. Good story, Gavin. Well told. Um, You should write that down for the grandchildren. Uh, The reason why they uh, shot it in Wicklow rather than uh, uh, the United States, uh, one texter suggests it's easier to source blow in Wicklow than Georgia. Everyone knows that. (laughs) We can't stand over that statement one way or another. Uh, Completely unverified. Uh, Right, so uh, Liam Neeson might have been Bond, he's saying. Might have been, yeah, what a time. So off the back of his Oscar nomination for Schindler's List, Barbara Broccoli, who's like the James Bond producer, was on to him several times being like, would you be interested? I don't think it was a full offer, but I think it was a thing of like, do you want to come into the room and read or whatever? And he said he was interested, but it was his late wife, Natasha Richardson, essentially intervened and was like, if you do James Bond, I won't marry you. So he was like, okay, I'd prefer to get married to you than do James Bond. So he didn't. Why? Okay. I don't think he ever said what, he kind of put it down to, and I don't think she ever gave a reason, but I think his kind of jokey thing of it was that, because Bond is always surrounded by these beautiful, gorgeous women. So maybe there was that, but he said he used to just wreck her head after like going around the house, like humming the theme song and like doing finger guns at her, which is very... impressions. Yeah, Yeah. just (laughs) incredible, yeah. Um, So what could have been, obviously he went on a take and so like he got his... So he kind of did James Bond He did James Bond in fairness, yeah. 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 Um, But I'm seeing a lot in terms of the conversation around the next Bond the odds for Colin Farrell are like have been slashed for whatever reason and I don't mm. mean that in a hateful way but I just think based on what it, Broccoli herself and Michael G. Wilson has said about the next Bond like they've said it'll be someone in their 30s and I feel like Colin is still just out edging that I also don't know if he'd want to do how, it I don't know if he'd want how old is he? he's 46 He's not, when I say uh, that, well, like, 30, so. like, you're not looking at Colin Farron and going, look at that crinkly old, <laughs> you know, sausage kind no, of thing. No, but I just, like, they were very quick to be like, it's not going to be like a, a Tom Holland figure or whatever. Like, they mm. really want someone, in terms of the odds, like, it's still Henry Cavill is the favourite, followed by uh, James Norton. Idris Elba's been taken out of it, I think, because he's definitively said, I'm not doing it. Stop. I want to be excluded from this narrative now. Okay, he's doing, um, yeah, he's doing Luther but instead. But I just, yeah, he's doing Luther. Uh, but I just don't think... I don't think Colin would do it. Like, he's done action. He'd, like, let him do his Oh, no, he has. I mean, and he's going through a golden period in his career anyway, so that, that he mightn't want to do it. But I could see him doing it, though, at the same time. He'd, you know, yeah. I could see him bring something, bringing something to it. I'm happy to ingest any Colin content. So if he does do it, I won't be complaining. But, yeah, I'd just right, be surprised be if he did. Uh, and uh, Alec Baldwin is has pleaded not guilty. Yes. Uh, I suppose it's surprising he was actually 
given I suppose there was an argument that he didn't know there was a bullet in the gun uh, from when they were shooting Ross but well that was the thing it really seemed like they were kind of throw the book at him but yeah he's pleaded not guilty to the two charges so it's involuntary manslaughter uh, over the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins uh, but it's two charges as I said so it's involuntary manslaughter so that requires proof of underlying negligence and then the second charge is involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act which requires proof that there was more than simple negligence involved in the in the death. Um, he was due in court today, but because he put in his uh, put in his plea, like he waived that right. Um, he there was something earlier in the week. Uh, he had a fire enhancement charge dropped by the DA, so that means like the maximum sentence he can get it dropped from like five years to eighteen months. But he is still facing like a civil suit from the, yeah. their as a the producer family. on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that could uh, that could be that'd be quite serious yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, a, a listener says Aaron Taylor Johnson has tested for Bond, so he's most likely at the minute to be the next Bond. I could see Aaron, ta- and he's everywhere lately. For so I will I say for some reason he's surely promoting something, but I know he's on that Vanity Fair like young Hollywood that cover that they do where there's like a million of them on the cover, and it's like these are the new hot things. I could see him doing it. I'd like to see him doing it. He's mm, how old is he? He is he is definitely in his thirties. Yeah. I wouldn't hazard a guess at the actual age. See, yeah, the definitely... thing about like James Bond, you don't want them to look too young. You want them to look like a grown up, well, like a, a man. But that's you why know? you couldn't have Tom Holland because he looks like he's making yeah, his confirmation. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah, but yeah. you need someone. Aaron Taylor Johnson's thirty three. Yeah, that's fine. But he yeah. looks a bit older, though. I think. I think. He I suppose he does. Older. Yeah. You see, your your James Bond looked like he smoked a few fags in his day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> like a few balls of whiskey. A few yeah. balls of whiskey, you know. But at the same time, he's got all these, you know, incredible ninja skills. Yeah. Still needs to have the flexibility, the dexterity. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Not necessarily for fighting. Uh, anyway, right. <laughs> we... Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Let's talk about your second wine, Mick, because it's rather tasty. This is very delicious. That, we, we were tasting this while listening to the cash machine there. This is Vina Zorzal, and it's a Garnacha. So um, that grape variety is also known as Grenache in France. Um, and this is from Navarra in Spain. So Navarra is, if you think about Bilbao at the top of Spain, you drive about an hour down, you've got Rioja, and then you drive about an hour towards Barcelona and you're into Navarra, so northeast Spain. Navarra is a bit of a workhorse. It generates a lot of bulk wine um, from Spain, a lot of cheap stuff. Quite often when you see Spanish kind of international grape varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, etc., they they would often come from this part of of Spain. Garnacha is kind of the grape that is at home here. And this particular producer, Vina Zorzal, they make wines of terroir, so with a, a real sense of place. Um, they have a range of wines. This is their entry-level wine, so this is about 16, 17 euros. Um, really great kind of uh, pizza wine, barbecue wine. This is a glugger. I have a significant birthday next week, and I will be drinking a lot of this particular wine. Okay. Does that mean... James Bond's role will never be yours there. Sadly, <laughs> they have they have about a week to call me. Yeah. Come on, lads. Come on. Six, six days. Yeah. Should I call out my number? Yeah, call on, call on Farrelane interested. Come on. Uh, stop, stop waiting for your second choice. Uh, Aidan Turner for Bond. He has sculpted good looks, uh, says Anne in Dublin. Who's Aidan Turner again? Yeah, exactly. It's just some bloke who lives down the road from Anne and she fancies him. Uh, it could be just that. 
Uh, Kevin in Ashbourne says John Boyega for James Bond. He would be a good reflection of modern day spy. Uh, um, I, uh, yes, I'm not. I don't know what modern day sure spy looks I like. Do, yeah, I endorse John Boyega. Kind of, I do love kind John of Boyega. Got the, uh, uh, the gist of that. Uh, Aidan Turner was in Poldark. Oh, oh right. Okay, yeah, oh, the yeah. abs. I get okay. Yeah. Right. No. Okay. No. Then no. Sorry. No. No. No abs. Well, it's not that he doesn't have to have abs, but I just, I don't know, I don't just, I cannot see him in that role at all. Do you know even a media thing of you can either see them or you can't? Like, Did Timothy Dalton have abs? No, Good he question. didn't. No, no, and sure, Roger Moore, like, just sucked in his gut for 10 years when he was doing it. That was, pretty, but the, back in them days, you could get away with that. Bring mm. back slob Bond, that's what I said. That's what you want. You want, like, a, a, a Bond with man boobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh and little sweat patches when he's wearing when he's wearing a t-shirt, you know. <laughs> that would reflect society. <laughs> that would reflect society. Uh, and so all these like beautiful models go. No, actually, you're disgusting. I'm not going to go to bed with you. Uh, right? Okay. <clears throat> Rihanna will be performing at the Oscars. Uh, yeah. Is, is apparently it's it just her or other people too? Just her. I, well, I'm sure I'm sure they'll have other surprises in store for Hollywood's biggest night. But yeah, she is scheduled to perform "Lift Me Up" from the most recent Black Panther movie, a song that I don't particularly care for. But she is nominated, um, so maybe that could be. Maybe that's a sign that she's oh, going to win because right. she's going to be there. I can't remember who else is up in that category, but yeah, I would say I would say she has a good shout in that category now that I said out loud but yeah. yeah she'll be performing yeah I did watch that Wakanda forever and god it went on for a while I haven't really. seen it yet it's on my yeah. list Angela Bassett is supposed to be incredible enough she's good in it but yeah. block out a weekend you know for okay. how long is it like two I don't know two, I don't know forever <laughs> um, really but, I mean I, I didn't I didn't like I didn't actually watch it in one sitting I yeah. think I watched it in three different sittings okay. and I went god how much is left of this especially like the last bit you go well like you know, kind of know what's going to happen even like halfway through you know what's going to yeah. happen and then they just have to drag it out for no I just, whatsoever. I just feel like that movie was fan two hours service. forty-one. Oh my until. god! Yeah, it, that was it, it. Was just fan service, and it was like as a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, which is obviously like th- that part of it is nice, but there is yeah, an element of like, of nice. could yeah. we, could we have done something else as well? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. anyway. Yeah, anyway. Right, let's move over uh, onto our uh, second uh, movie today. Uh, it is called Luther. Here's a clip. You promised me you could help. You know what they did to my son. I need to stop this man. I'm still a copper. Not anymore. And if you refuse to stand down, tactical unit will shoot you dead. <laughs> Something's coming. Right, okay. Uh, very tense sounding, uh, but kind of generic sounding trailer there. Uh, so Esther, is it better than that? Um, it is better than that. Yeah, it's edgier than that, I would say. Um, and that is a very generic sound clip. Yeah, um, it is kind of like I'm in tree star territory with this. I definitely, you know, I haven't seen an episode of Luther, as I said. Um, I know it has a really strong and broad appeal. Um, and I know some actors who are really I'd really respect who've been in it. Um, but this felt I didn't get the crossover here. So I don't know whether this is fan service or not or whether, you know, but it does work very well as a, a standalone. And I have to say, if you watch Idris Elba play John Luther, you can understand why he's trying to step away from the Bond thing, because this is a much more interesting character. Like he's very much um, he's a maverick, but in really kind of interesting ways. Um, but ultimately, this is the same old uh, I'm going to break out of prison and go on the run while 
trying to solve a case, a, a case while the cops are trying to track me down against this evil, you know, guy who's played really well, actually, by Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is this character. OK, yeah. Um, Gollum. You know, and, and kind of against type, I think. He's this guy named David Roby. So it's very fantastical, Sean. It's very over the top. So like if you're coming into this going, that, that's not very plausible. You'll just have to park that, you know, or you'll okay. spend, the, yeah. spend the whole time muttering at the film. So it's it's kind of that kind of heightened, not quite comic book st- story thing, but kind of in that territory, I think. Um, so Circus is David Roby. He's um, this influential millionaire and he decides to set up John Luther, who's, you know, really good at solving cases, but is on the case of a young boy. Well, not a young boy. He's a young banker. He's a 20 something, uh, a guy by name Colm Aldridge, who's gone missing. And he's on the case. um, And Roby has very, very big plans. And he wants Luther off the grid. So he kind of releases this dossier that says this guy's really corrupt. He's been breaking the law and he gets imprisoned. Uh, so while he's jailed, the full extent of um, Roby's plans become apparent. And this is where it really does go into comic book territory. He's like a Batman baddie. He wants to wipe out New York or in this case, London. Right. Um, so what he's doing, he's an information czar. He's really good at tech and he's got you know the money to make it work for him. So he wants to go on this mad killing spree. It's really quite cruel, actually, what he does, where he wants people to witness the torturous death of their loved ones. So this is quite, it's a 16 search and it's quite dark, you know, and it's Mm. subject matter and quite graphic. Um, And it's kind of lurid mass killing he wants to do. And he also wants to kind of set up everyone, um, you know, who's got a secret in their lives to reveal this kind of dark secret, be it porn or, you know, fraud or crime or, or you know, this web life you might have that your, your loved ones don't know about. And he's trying to humiliate everyone. And this culminates in one big, huge um, set piece in London where it all goes to pot at the same time. So it's very much kind of comic book in that regard. Um, so... We've got a great cast here. As I say, you've got um, Andy Serkis playing a monster uh, and you, you'll remember him. You've got Idris Elba, very, very gritty um, and mm. kind of unlike anything I've seen him in before. So I can understand why people love him in Luther. And then you've got Cynthia Erivo, of course, the great, great um, English actress as well, who's playing this character by the name of Odette Rain. Uh, she's the head of the team trying to find Luther. Um Mm. thinking he's gone on the run from jail, for jail. So Okay, it sounds it's very diverting. much Yeah. We've seen it before, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's grand. Yeah. Someone's um, texting the cast, in... I think, elevated, you know? Yeah. I do think the cast elevated. Uh, someone's texting in to say, in the sequel to Luther, he flies, flees to Ireland and spends the whole time drinking Guinness. It's called Fluthert. Uh So, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, finally, uh, Fanula, uh, we, do, we do need to touch, uh, and this is a deliberate pun, uh, on Paul Meskel's behind. Uh yeah, so he had an experience outside of... Um, he's in A Streetcar Named Desire in London at the minute, uh, which has gone down really well, apparently. And he had this incident with a fan where they came up after and they were like, can we take a photo with you? And he was like, yeah, grand. Um, and when they were taking the photo, like he, she was like actively like had her hand on his behind. And 
he kind of moved it away because she was like, he was like, that's weird, whatever, moved it away. And then she just actively kept going at it. Um, and he had to turn around and be like, what are you doing? And called it out. And he's kind of been speaking about it recently. And, you know, he said that, like, the experience has been, like, 97% of the time overwhelmingly positive. Um, but then you have the 3% that's, like, somebody grabbing your ass, which isn't great and isn't condonable. And it's good to hear him speaking out about it because I feel like it's not something you hear often mm. from male actors no, and I'm sure it's something that happens quite frequently especially in this internet age and thirsting over men online and stuff like that so yeah I'm very excited to see God's Creatures that he was in town promoting this week a uh, very dark premise but sounds really good and okay. he's very good from what I've heard uh, th- uh, that's our lot for today thanks to Fanula, Esther and Mick uh- Movies and Booze I'm Moncrief on News Talk